You know when you get a website or a document and you just you you try to read it and you just can't? It makes no sense or you get lost in so many clauses and different things or it's filled with marketing speak. It's episode 390 of the Dan York Report and I just want to make a plea that we must as communicators, as writers, as people just trying to get our messages out there, we need to focus on using plain language. Just regular simpler language. Now, in this episode, I want to talk a little bit about what is plain language, plain English in particular. I'm going to talk about English because that's my native language. But this could equally apply to any other language. You know, I'm a, a German speaker and I've been trying to learn French and complexity in phrasing is challenging no matter what it is. I want to talk a little bit about writing for the web in particular too not necessarily, say, academic journals or other stuff, although I would suggest this works for there too. But when we talk about plain language, we're talking about language that is clear, concise, efficient, that somebody can understand quickly and easily. You know, it's uh, it's funny. I was just looking in uh, here on one of the places on the FDA, the U.S. Food and Drug um, Administration. They give the example of here's one thing. It says, the Dietary Guidelines for Americans recommends a half hour or more of moderate physical activity on most days, preferably every day. The activity can include brisk walking, calisthenics, home care, gardening, moderate sports exercise, and dancing. They point out that this could be a lot more clear if you simply said, do at least 30 minutes of exercise like brisk walking most days of the week. Simple kinds of things. Making it simple and easy. Now, to be clear... A key factor is you're not dumbing it down. This is one of the critiques I hear from people when they when they hear we're trying to make something more in plain language. It's, oh, you're trying to dumb it down, make it so... No, we're trying to make it so that people can understand it clearly. You know, you have to write for the audience, right? The tone, the words you use to write an article for a networking technology magazine are going to be very different from one that you might use to write for a medical journal, which might be different from a government policy institute, which might be different from a fashion magazine. You know, you're going to have different audiences in different ways and different works for it. You have to write for whatever audience. But the thing you have to do is think about the wording, think about the phrases and the way that you are. And You know, the biggest thing is when you look at people and you look at long run on sentences or different kinds of things like this, you're putting a high cognitive load, a high mental load on the person reading this because they have to go through and you're asking people to hold all these different clauses in their head, all the different forms, the verbs, everything else. And they've got to keep all that in their brain to try to figure out what does this all mean? So instead of holding your message, the thing you want them to do, they're holding all that other stuff in their head. You know, what you really want to do is keep it simple so that the reader's brain can focus on your message rather than being wrapped up in how you are saying it. Uh, Wikipedia has a great page around uh, plain language, and they show some good examples. And here's one. They say, uh, they give an example. High-quality learning environments are a necessary precondition for facilitation and enhancement of the ongoing learning process. 
What the heck does that mean? High-quality learning environments are a necessary precondition for facilitation and enhancement of the ongoing learning process. How about let's write it like, children need good schools if they are to learn properly. (laughs) You know, something dramatically different that you can go and see. Uh, I loved another one here. Now, we have to remit, sometimes there is obscurity and complexity for a reason. The authors don't want people to read it. They don't want people to make sense of it. They want to confuse people. And you get this in marketing speak. You get this in legal speak. You get this in some of the different kinds of things. Here's another example from the Wikipedia page. Citigroup today announced a series of repositioning actions that will further reduce expenses and improve efficiency across the company while maintaining Citi's unique capabilities to serve clients, especially in the emerging markets. These actions will result in increasing business efficiency, streamlined operations, and an optimized consumer footprint across geographies. Did you get that? Did that make any sense to you? I mean, you have to sit there and read it probably a couple of times in order to figure out what the heck they are actually saying. Now, the editors of this Wikipedia page made this super simple in plain language. They said that whole thing could be summarized down as Citigroup today announced layoffs. This will save cost. Now, that might be reducing it a little bit too much, but you get the point. That second sentence, that plain language piece is a whole lot easier. Now, why do we even care about this? You probably know in many ways, but let me give you a couple of reasons why I care about this, why it's important for me, why I think it's important for all of us. Number one is, unless our audience is people specific to a small geographic region, the odds are that we're writing for a global audience. If we're publishing stuff up on the web, which is my focus, all right, we're writing for global audiences. Probably the vast majority of people coming to our web pages are not native English speakers. Again, going back to, you know, um, the audience and what you're trying to do. If I'm making a website for a local Vermont restaurant and I'm putting up my menu and things like that, I can be pretty sure that probably most people in the area that I live in here are either native speakers or very strong English speakers, and I could probably use whatever I want. But if I'm trying to, you know, make a website for a Vermont inn that will be seen by people all over the world to bring them here, I have to think that a lot of the people will be non-native English speakers. They want something, I mean, people want something that's easy, simple to understand, that, that is easy to think about and not have to have complex sentences in your brain when you're trying to go and do this. There's a host of other reasons too, right? You've got you know, mobile users. People are looking for this. They have smaller screens. They don't want to be scrolling through endless run-on sentences. Accessibility. There are a lot of people who use screen readers and other tools and things. And again, why put friction in the way of getting your message to people. You know, translations and translation software out there. There's a whole lot of things now that are making it a lot easier, whether it's the Google Translate functions in your Chrome browser or other different kinds of tools and services that make it so you can go and do that, many of them using machine language or AI. But again, those translations work better if you have simpler, concise, shorter, more plain language, these kind of things, just easier. 
And on a practical level, it's efficient. If you can make it simple, easy to understand, easy to relay, easy to think through, it's simpler, easier for somebody to pick and read that page and say, oh, I get what they're doing. Here's what it is. It saves them time, saves them, potentially saves them money, all of those things. Your goal is really to, how do you remove friction from, from getting in the way of your message? How do you reduce that mental load, that, that cognitive load? You know, and what's, what's more important, having people understand your message and take action or, uh, or, or sounding important, or, you know, those kind of things. Again, it somewhat depends on your audience. It's funny, I found this in my own writing. Here's an example from a blog post I wrote. You can hear what, I'm, what I said. In the original version, it said, we plan to send out some initial information soon and provide a way for members to engage in more direct conversations with the project team, so please do sign up soon. Yes, that was one long sentence, and that was complete with a dash at that last part. But again, somebody has to put that all in there. Here is a simple rewording, making it that much more plain. We plan to send out some initial information soon. We will provide a way for members to engage in more direct conversation with the project team. So please do sign up soon. One sentence became three. Shorter, more active, more verbs in there. And that's a part of it, right? Thinking about how do you make it shorter, more concise, how do you have not necessarily all of these different clauses and other things that go and work with it? Um, a, a tool that I, I truly enjoy using is what's called the Hemingway Editor. You can go to www.hemingwayapp.com. Now, it's modeled after the language of Ernest Hemingway and other. In his particular style, was he wrote a lot of very short simpler sentences, but it's a great tool because what it does is it will take your text and show you how many times did you use the passive voice, you know, things that uh, have been, you know, those kind of things, This that part of that phrasing in there. How many sentences are hard to read? How many are very hard to read? How many phrases have a simpler alternative like how many times did you use utilize when you could have simply done use? Some of those kind of things like that. How many times did you throw in extra adverbs, which are more flowery and sometimes can make things go on in different ways? And then the Hemingway app also gives you a readability score using one of the various different frameworks out there. And it gives you a, a grade level. Now, this is American grade levels and different things, but it's a useful sense of what kind of you know, reader would it take to go and read this? If you have a, let's say an article or a blog post or something that you're trying to get out to a mass audience, if you write it so that somebody probably needs a postgraduate education in order to read it, you're not going to attract the mass audience. Now, if you're writing it to present it in a journal going out to a bunch of PhDs, well, maybe that's more appropriate. But you've got to think about what is it that you want to do. It's this, this is a great tool. Again, it's HemingwayApp.com. You can go there. There's also a desktop app that you can pay for and download. But it's a super nice, super great service that goes and helps you make your writing more concise, more clear, more bold, all of that. Ironically, as I was looking around to prepare for this, 
I found that the uh, the United States government of all places, my uh, my tax dollars at work for all of you, has a website called plainlanguage.gov. Uh, lo and behold, there was the Plain Writing Act of 2010 that was signed into place by President Obama, and it mandated that uh, you know information in consumer facing citizen facing websites should be written using plain English, plain language in some ways. And it's actually a really good website. If you go to plainlanguage.gov, there are some uh, some really good guidelines. If you go into the plain language guidelines, it goes in and it shows you what you should do, how you can go and do it. They have a great checklist. They have a checklist for plain language. They have a checklist for uh, for the web you know, checklist for plain language for the web. And here they go through some great bullet items. Less is more. Be concise. Break documents into separate topics. Use even shorter paragraphs than on paper. Use short lists and bullets. Use even more lists than on paper. Use even more headings with less under each heading. Questions often make great headings. Present each topic or point separately. You know, keep the information on each page to mo- no more than two levels. You know, make liberal use of white space. You know, on and on it talks about here. This is beautiful little checklist for how to write plainly on the web and beyond that. They, uh, they have many other aspects to this too. They, they give some good examples where, again, they show what it would look like. Um, what are some different wordings that were rewritten? They've actually taken text from different kinds of, um, of uh, organizations, and they've shown what would it look like before. Uh, they give an example. I'm just pulling one up here. Um, for an application due date, the application must be completed by the applicant and received by the financial office by June 1st. It could be simplified to say, we must receive your application by June 1st. Okay, didn't need to have that stuff, but the application must be completed by the applicant and, you know, blah, blah, blah. We must receive your application by June 1st. Simple, easy, plain language, easy to understand, easy to get people out there in some different way. You know, this is, um, uh, you know, great examples. So you can go and check this out. Again, it's just simply plainlanguage.gov. It's for the United States government, but it's certainly things that is applicable to all of us all around the world. Now, again, you need to keep your audience in mind when you're doing this. What is plain language in some aspects may not be plain in other places. You do have to think about that. You also have to be aware that tools like Hemingway app and, and other tools that are out there, and there's a good number of them, you know, they, they do run into issues with certain you know, phrases that are part of certain industries. You know, I work in the internet industry and we have a zillion acronyms and all sorts of jargon and, and acronyms and things. And sometimes if you're writing about routing security, you know, you're going to need to bring in BGP, Border Gateway Patrol. You're going to have to bring in some acronyms and things like this because it's just it's part of the language that's here. If you write on a medical website or something, you're going to use terminology and things that are there, technical terms, other things. Now, you want to try to avoid some of that to the degree you can. Avoid jargon. Avoid some of the more obnoxious acronyms and things. You know, you want to try to avoid that when you can. But there are some times you can't. When I started to do more and more work with, with writing in more plain language, 
You know, one of the challenges I had was that I, I love writing. I love words. I love the English language. I love to use the English language and paint with words. I love to do that. And sometimes, though, the challenge is the right word for a native speaker may not be the most plain. You know, I, I grew up personally reading things like the Torward's more picturesque speech column in Reader's Digest every month. And I, I, I read voraciously, to use a word, and I read all sorts of things. And, and so I have a, a pretty wide vo- vocabulary. So when somebody talks about having an existential crisis or talks about a visceral reaction to something, I'm okay with that, me. But that's not words that are necessarily common to the global audience that you're writing for on the web. You know, one of my pet words that I, uh, that I run into issues with is the word egregious, okay? He made an egregious error that cost the company millions. Now, somebody who's familiar with the English language, familiar with literature, familiar with vocabulary, et cetera, knows that there's a nuance there that, that, is, that the word has, you know? It may be that uh, he invested all the company's savings in airline and hotel stocks that have since cratered right now. He made an egregious error that cost the company millions. It's a, it's a big mistake in a fundamentally bad and negative way. There's a nuance there. There's a something on that word that is just, it's, it's beautiful when it's used right. But to the rest of the world, to people out there who may not be as familiar with the English language and English vocabulary, what does it mean? It means you know a really big word that, that most people don't even understand. You know, it would be far easier or far better for that more plainer, more clearer to say, you know, he made a major error that cost the company millions. That's something that people can understand. He made a large error that cost the company millions. Those words can replace that. They don't have that same nuance. They don't have that, that, that sense on that. But you have to decide, are you writing for a global audience? Are you writing for an audience that is all, that may be of all different, you know, uh, readership levels? Are you, are, they may be using screen readers. They may have different kinds of different things. What is that? If I'm writing someday for a journal of English professors or something, I may make use of words like egregious. I may talk about some of those things like that, but others, probably not so much. So it's something that we do have to think about in our own usage, in our own words. My plea to anyone listening out there, what can we do to think about how we write clear, concise Words that are easily understood, which again, isn't to say we need to necessarily dumb things down or make it simpler in, in, in some way. We don't have to lose the content. We want to make the message easier to understand. We want to use shorter sentences. We don't want to use run-on sentences. We want to use simpler, easier, more concise, more clear languages. Again, Check out HemingwayApp.com. Great site to go and work with that. Check out PlainLanguage.gov. There are many other things. If you just search on Plain Language, if you go to Wikipedia, there's a lengthy page on Plain Language. I won't go by the... I 
miss the irony that some parts of it are not written in plain language. But be that as it may, it's got some good links and some good information there. There's also a page on plain English, which is a variation of that, of course. But it is uh, both of those do provide some good information and, uh, and information out there. That's all. I would love to hear what works for you. What have you found has helped you to write in something plain, more clear, all of that? Please think about it because there's mobile audiences. There are global audiences. There are people who need accessibility mechanisms. There are people who are non-native speakers. There are people all around the world who would love to hear your message. They'd love to do it but you're loading it up with so many phrases and other things that they can't get it as easily as they could. Take away that friction. Figure out how to write it plainer, simpler, more concise, more easy to understand, and you can be much more efficient and we can get that message out to people in so many ways. That's all for this episode. You can uh, find more of my audio and writing at danyork.me. Thanks for listening. I'd love to hear your comments either here at soundcloud.com slash danyork where this is published or anywhere you find this in social media or anywhere else out there. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.